This week on the show, I'm chatting Star Trek, Doctor Who, and much more with our international correspondent, Laura Lee. Welcome to episode 60 of Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Can't believe it. Something that started to happen over time on this show is that I've been assembling a team of, of nerds to help me explore science fiction. I've started to think of it as my, my sci-fi nerd team instead of a news team. I like that. And I'm not just talking about the people who come on the show repeatedly, which I love, which is a great thing, but I'm talking about people who come on for the same thing every time, and we kind of go through a journey together, like Audrey, aka Jeff Salamander, who's going through all of TNG with me, uh, and then Sarah Lehman, who's been on the show recently talking about Contact. She's going to be my movie buddy from now on. So uh, hopefully about once a month, we're just going to sit down, watch a movie, and then podcast about it, because... It's so much fun, and I just want to do it all the time. Next time, we're going to do Cocoon, which is coming up probably in uh, three episodes from now. So if you want to watch Cocoon, watch it, because it's so good. And then, of course, my international correspondent, Laura B. She moved to London five or six years ago and now lives in France. So her perspective has changed a lot over the years since she's hopped across the pond. So I really wanted to make her a part of the show, even though she's all the way overseas. I just wanted to chat with her as much as possible and get her opinions, uh, have her send in reports about nerdy things. We first heard from Laura back in episode 48, and ever since then, she and I have been trying to work out our schedules to have a full-on podcast chat via Skype, and we finally worked it out. And that's coming up in just a couple minutes. In other news... I am so excited to tell you that this Sunday at the EMP Museum, which has just changed its name to Mopop, the Museum of Pop Culture, I will be a judge for the Doctor Who costume contest at the Doctor Who Days party. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I will be dressing as Matt Smith. My sonic screwdriver came in the mail today. And let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing to hold in your hands. You hear that? That's legit. Uh, I feel very powerful. <laughs> so that's coming up on Sunday. If you are in Seattle and you're going to the Dr. Holiday's party, come say hi. I have to say thank you to my brand new Patreon supporter, Mike Brown. Thank you so much for signing up to support this show and the rest of the Sci-Fi Project. Speaking of the Sci-Fi Project, I have started a premium podcast for my Patreon subscribers. Uh, as you know, for quite a while now, I've been releasing little bonus tidbits from this show and from Sci-Fi on Trial for my Patreon subscribers. And I've decided to uh, take that and run with it and just make an entire premium podcast just for my supporters. It's called the Sci-Fi Project Podcast, and it's going to feature all sorts of awesome stuff if you're a fan of this podcast and the rest of my work. So it'll have all of the bonus episodes from this show and from Sci-Fi on Trial, as well as works in progress from the Sci-Fi album, uh, random messages from me, and special behind-the-scenes glimpses into what's coming in the future of the Sci-Fi Project. So I went back through all of the bonus content I've made thus far and converted it into episodes of the Sci-Fi Project podcast. I also added on two new episodes. One is the Guardians of the Galaxy bonus episode. It's 40 minutes long. It's really fun. Just all sorts of great stuff that I had to cut for time out of the Guardians of the Galaxy Sci-Fi on Trial. I also put out a new episode called Podcasts of the Past 
which features the very first podcast appearance I ever made on a show that was actually released. Uh, I, th I just remembered this today that I did record a couple podcasts with a friend back in college that never got released. Uh, but as far as my professional podcasting career is concerned, and by professional, I mean available for uh, public consumption, this was my first appearance ever. It's uh, a show that was part of a web series that I was composing for called Causality. It's very sci-fi in nature. It was a super fun recording session. And this seemed like a super cool thing to share with people who are a fan of this show. You can hear my podcast beginnings back before I had any idea what I was doing. And being a part of that show is definitely what inspired me to want to make this show. So part of my history that took place back in 2011. And you can hear that right now on my Patreon page. So this premium podcast is two bucks a month. Not only does that get you the premium podcast, but it helps support this show, helps support Sci-Fi and Trial, helps support my, uh, my music videos that I'm trying to make, my Sci-Fi synth pop album. None of that stuff is free for me to make, even though I release a lot of it for free. So I'd really love your help easing the financial burden of keeping the Sci-Fi project going. If joining Patreon is not your thing, but you still want to support the show, it always helps to leave positive reviews and positive ratings on iTunes or any podcast platform. It helps me show up in search results and helps uh, promote the show. And I always really appreciate that. Okay, let's get into our discussion with Laura B. Hi, Laura. Hi. <laughs> it's been a million years. I know, How it's been you? so long. It's been, uh, what, five five, six years? Because you, I saw you right after yeah. I went to Seattle, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I remember I like I, we went up the, later. I still occasionally get um, the tower, the Seattle tower emails. I've now forgotten. Oh, the really? <laughs> the, the space needle? <laughs> the space needle. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Still getting yeah. emails from the space needle occasionally being like, we haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, I know. Yeah, I live in. Because I live in France. You're in France now. Away. That's so cool. So you, you yeah. moved to England and then you moved to France like yes. six years later or something? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was kind of six and a half years in England Yeah. in the end. Uh, it's been a little while. I'm going to apologize right now for the audio at my end because there will be the sound of my cats chasing each other. Oh, that's fine. That's totally Wildly cool. in the background. <laughs> can you guys, can you not? No? Okay. <laughs> okay. They don't um, give a shit. They're cats, so it's fine. They, they don't give a shit. Skype always has these weird internet ghosts anyway, so it just little sounds... crackles and things. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's gonna be fine. It's gonna Which be fine. Which I think it... is like the spirit of the internet because it is alive. Probably. Yeah. I I don't doubt that. I it's don't doubt that. Trying at all. to talk to us, but it doesn't know how to speak English. It's attempting. To... I'm loving Spock in the background, by the way, giving me right? these like judging eyebrows. And Kirk, so too. Good. And they're with their I, hipster glasses. <laughs> that's just everything that I want. They're my favorite. Well, let's yeah. talk about how we know each other for people who aren't here. Um, for people who aren't here. So we went to college together. We played in, yeah. uh, well, we were both music majors. We played in the Wind Symphony together. And then one day I asked you to be in one of my music videos for Android <laughs> Rock. Yes. And I thought you just like... I don't know, when you like picked up a bass, I was like, wow, Laura should just play bass. Look at her. It just looks so good with the bass. Um, that was so much fun. That was the first time I'd felt remotely rock and roll. Um, yeah, you were like totally rock and roll. I like saw this rock and roll spirit inside of you. I was like, we have to play yes. in a band together. And you're like, I don't know how to play. I don't know how to play 
anything besides bassoon. I'm like, I don't care. Learn to play bass and we'll play, <laughs> learn a band to play the bass. You should learn to play the bass and be in my band. And I was like, okay. And then yeah. I did. And it worked out great. I mean, <laughs> it, it, worked sounds, out really well. it sounds like a crazy plan, but it went really well. Uh, it did in the end. Yeah. I, I, I mean, luckily it was all in the bass clef. So yeah, no, um, I, I mean, I did, I briefly flirted with the clarinet in high school, so I would have been okay on treble as well, but yeah. Um, yeah, or just playing clarinet. Um, so in the I remember band. <laughs> the first time I took notice of you in oh, our really? classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was a really defining moment in oh like my, my understanding of you as a person. I I don't even know where this is going, and I'm a little terrified now. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Me. So uh, we had one of those weird periods in um, in music theory, like first thing in the morning, where at the end of the class, nobody had like come up with something to do. Who was the cello professor? I've forgotten his name. Oh, uh, with an S in yeah. freshman year. Uh, uh, let's call him Principal Schneider because I've been watching Principal a lot of- Schneider. So Principal <laughs> Schneider was like, it's cool. I don't have anything. So just work on your homework and try to get it done. And there I was like trying to analyze something or other in our workbook. And I didn't know who was sitting behind me at the time. I just like sat down, not paying attention first thing in the morning, hadn't had coffee yet. And yeah. I think it was you sitting behind me and Albert Mata sitting to the other <laughs> side. And you... When like I tuned in because you were talking about the fact that you were you'd gone to a Radiohead concert the night before, uh-huh. and I'd like been under this weird impression in in going to a, a like a music school. It wasn't a music school at all. It was a party school with like right. business overtones. But right. <laughs> uh, the fact that we were surrounded by business, you know, like serious music people, sort of thing, felt like I I couldn't really admit to loving pop music. Mm. and and rock and electronica and dance and all this different stuff that I, like, legitimately loved. Um, and I didn't think that anyone there, I thought they were really interested in Beethoven and nothing else. Yeah. For some reason, I just had this in my head where, like, I couldn't, like, I don't know, I couldn't admit that I actually quite liked pop or, yeah. or like, other kinds of music. Um, I had to just embrace my Stravinsky or whatever. Right. And you were just, like waxing rhapsodical about how great Radiohead <laughs> were. Um, That's awesome. And I only just started listening to Radiohead at like a couple of weeks before. <laughs> so yeah. it was this like, ping, my little antenna <laughs> went up. I was like, okay, I need to know who this is. Because <laughs> I awesome. didn't notice who was sitting behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to be the time where me and Albert pretended for like a week that we were Michael Jackson and only spoke in <laughs> like that's all we said to each other. <laughs> Hilariously, that did not make as much of an impression. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but that's that I, I can picture that with, with remarkable ease. So yeah. That's works. awesome. It I, uh, I just remember, I remember like sitting with you at all the, the noon concerts and talking about nerdy shit all the time. Yep. And yeah, just talking about Star Trek. Yeah. That was much more fun than the concert (laughs) most of the time. Sorry to everyone who played those concerts. How proud of you. How proud of me are you that I've now watched Buffy? I'm almost done. I've got like seven episodes left. I'm so happy. I was I was trying to sell you on that show for so many fucking years. And it's finally worked. Yeah, totally. I'm not even there to reap the benefits. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Like you were the you were the first person. Like the Buffy episode just came out today, the day that we're recording this. Uh, you were the first yes. person that I mentioned who got me to start watching Buffy. Uh, and then I, I just like didn't, <laughs> I got through a season, we got through a season and a half together and then I stopped watching yep. and then I came back to it years later and now I'm just so into it. And I just wanted to say on the record, you are super right. It's so good. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know I was right, but I'm very pleased to hear you, you know, uh, verify. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then we also truth. we also went to uh, Star Trek Las Vegas together, which was oh the my God, was only so time good. I've ever been to the <laughs> Vegas convention. It was so fun. It was like one of my life favorite experiences it was so that was good. a really really good that was the best vegas trip i have ever had that was yeah. the fact that it was our like goodbye party for this trek experience as well was just yeah it was everything it was so much it was so it was a really fun. important like because that, that was when kind of like i was starting to think about moving away yeah and hadn't really gotten to the point of like making that decision yet so it was a, it felt like a bit of a like goodbye to living in america as well really and like yeah so it was because it was so that place i remember first going there when it opened um yeah. like not the week of or anything like that because my parents pretended like they weren't those kind of nerds <laughs> they didn't like they don't want the cred of being there when it opens but they really fucking want to go <laughs> so yeah they um when did we go God, that would have been in the 90s for sure. I know we stayed at the Luxor, nice. um, which was hilarious because I was super obsessed with Egyptology at the time, <laughs> like any good nerd. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember going when it was only just newly open and just like being transported in the best possible way. It was like yeah. heaven for me. And I'd like kind of only recently been really properly like inducted into Star Trek fandom. Yeah. Because at that point I'd like yeah, not I'd I'd only been a fan for a little while, I think. Cause I'd I so when I was eight years old, I thought that Star Trek was terrifying and I hated really? it. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> the first episode I ever saw, I know I've told you this story before, but I am absolutely gonna tell it again because I'm sure. Please you've do. <laughs> I have the um, worst memory. I was I've been telling people recently my memory is like I'm in a perpetual state of brownout where if you tell me something i'll remember it but until then i won't yeah <laughs> like you'll you jog will, my memory and i'll remember, remember it i'm sure you may remember it but Let's i um so the the first episode i saw was um uh just like caught as i walked through a room sort of thing um it's the the one where jordy and ro Laren get like phased out of reality oh the next phase the transporter accident yeah, yeah yeah so they are running away from this like romulan who's also phased out like through the walls of the ship yeah running away and it's like it's kind of campy fun and it's a good like cg in its early stages moment right. for trek where they're showing off the fact they can do people running through walls and stuff but for me <laughs> as an eight-year-old with a very very active imagination terrified of like monsters under the bed sleeping like with my back against the wall so that they couldn't get me yeah i i took away from that that the monsters could come through the walls and get me anyway Oh. And I was like, this show is awful and I hate it. Crazy. <laughs> it's the worst. I, I totally remember you telling me the story now because that's one of my absolute favorite episodes. And I had yep. the exact same reaction just now. I was like, oh my God, that's like the one that would get me sold. But I totally yeah. understand. I, I don't, eight, I I don't remember. Not, I was not okay with it. I was yeah. so scared. I don't remember the first episode I saw. I've just been watching it since I was, I think like, like probably like four or five years old. So I, my memory... It's bad enough now. It doesn't extend back that far. <laughs> no, no. For most things, it's, you know, for pretty much everything else, it's sort of just always been there in this nebulous. Like, I don't remember the first time my parents started reading me The Hobbit. Like, yeah, it's totally. just always been there in my head. It's, it is a part of my internal landscape. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, 
that's just a rare instance of like, yeah, I know that exact moment because I was fucking terrified. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I went to bed that night and I could not sleep. <laughs> what? So what Star Trek have you seen now? Have you seen, I know you've watched Next Generation. I remember you watching original series. Yeah. Uh, so I. But then I forget um, what else you've seen. I've only just really started watching DS9 since it came onto Netflix. Oh, um, cool. And I'm really, 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 really really early on i'm still like in the first like single digit episodes because wow. i have no time that isn't renovating a house right yeah. now <laughs> so you just moved into this little tiny house and you're tearing it all yeah. apart and putting it back together for the benefit of listeners yes i live in the middle of nowhere in france um and it i'm in a very very small house i can't say tiny house because that's like tm it's a it's, a, <laughs> it's its own thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it is a it's the, literally the smallest house in the village and it's well i don't i can't really convert between meters and feet and i don't know how many square feet it is but i know it's 32 square meters total okay in like like spread over two floors so oh, this awesome. room is maybe 16 square meters like it's really small in here. wow <laughs> so um but it's like your dream house right kind of in a way it's it's all the things that i didn't know that i wanted in a house because yeah. uh so we moved in. This is not sci-fi at all, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Yeah, tell me anyway. I don't care. I have all these stories. We yeah. So we moved here um, to this part of France because uh, we had been in Paris immediately after Nancy finished her PhD. Mm -hmm. And it was just a little bit too much. Like we moved immediately into like a really strong... Nancy's my wife, yeah. for the benefit of the listeners again. Yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, immediately went into a three-month intensive French course. Um, which was great for me because now I can actually kind of function in French where I couldn't at all to start with. Wow. And um, which was, it speaks very well of the Sorbonne's like English as a foreign, English, French as a foreign language program um, that it took me from barely being able to string a sentence together to having like conversations with my neighbors here who speak no English at all. That's insane. I took French for three years and I still can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, I have given myself no choice uh yeah that's so, i true. mean put yourself in a country <laughs> where you have no choice but to learn french in order to be able to communicate because outside Crazy. of paris it's not a lie that it's much more difficult to find people who speak english yeah um in this tiny village like a bunch of my neighbors most of them are older um and it wasn't obligatory at school and and some of them stopped school at like 14 and just went and worked on the farm or whatever so yeah they're they are people who just have no English at all. They've got like, they can probably say about 10 words. Wow. And that's just from watching television, you know? So, so anyway, we, we were in Paris, but it was and it, at, right after an immediately like very, very stressful period, because I don't know if you've known anyone who's gone through a PhD program, uh, but it's, <laughs> I, I have known people who were writing a dissertation and they were a ball of stress for like at least a year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and it's it's difficult to be that person and it's also difficult to be married to that person. Yeah. In all honesty, it's 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 a trial by fire in a lot of ways. Um yeah. and I am super, super, super proud that she got through it and that we got through it. And yeah. it's done. She's a doctor, it's amazing. Went to Paris, did the French course, and that was great, but Paris was way too much for where we were at right then. Yeah. So we came out here looking for a little peace and quiet and basically like a chance to really properly evaluate what the hell we were doing here. Yeah. Um, which we're not 100% sure of still, but we're working on that. Um, but we found this house just sort of by the fun of like 
browsing through estate agent websites and looking to see what was there. And this house was tiny and it was super cheap and it was absolutely <laughs> crammed full of someone else's stuff. Wow. It was the entire, like the woman who used to live here, Susie died really suddenly and didn't have any heirs. She had no children. She had one sort of adoptive granddaughter who couldn't accept the inheritance because it would mean paying more taxes than she would actually get back in house. Wow. Yeah, because French inheritance tax, when you're not related to the person by blood, is really complicated and extremely <laughs> expensive. So, um, because it's sort of medieval in a way. Really? I mean, a lot of things have moved forward, but like laws are labyrinthine. It's Europe. So things move quite slowly. And at the moment, yeah, you can like, so Nancy and I have to specifically name each other as our heirs if one of us dies, because then it could be that like, if, if I had a child or if she wanted it to go to her child, then it would just be like automatic to them. Yeah. And bypass the partner entirely. Interesting. It's a weird situation. Anyway, she, <laughs> she died. She, she died as though like she had just walked out the door and left like five minutes ago. She still wow. had her like slippers under the kitchen table. Wow. Like breakfast dishes were in the sink sort of thing. Cause it was super sudden. That's kind of spooky. Um, was yeah. It spooky? So it was, it was a little bit, it was sad more than it was spooky. It was a little yeah. bit like this. You could see the entirety of this woman's life just all around you. But it was wow. also fascinating because yeah. she was, a, she was a performer. She was a musician. She, oh, awesome. Yeah, she and her husband were like double act uh, in Paris. <laughs> they had like a cabaret thing. Um, so we found all of their stage costumes that like a bunch of which she sewed herself. Wow. In like huge suitcases in the attic. We've got all of his instruments. There's um, the thing that you blow through that's got a keyboard on it. Uh, uh, melodica. Melodica. There's, I love those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I have a melodica. I have nice. two electric keyboards, which are so ancient, I don't know if I could plug them in at this point. Wow. Um, a really antique, enormous amp that's almost the size of me. Um, <laughs> no idea if that would work. Um, just a bunch of sheet music. An ocarina, randomly. <laughs> <laughs> like that we found in the pocket of his clown costume because he used to be clown. <laughs> it sounds absolutely nuts. I feel like kind of I old. found an ocarina in the pocket of his clown costume is the great <laughs> first line of something. <laughs> I feel like I well, I mean, I looked at it and I was like, this is where my quest starts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pull the right notes on this ocarina. And this is where it all begins. And you, I could not make you a travel to noise like a it. different dimension where everyone is dressed as clowns, and the people who are clowns are dressed as Americans. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be too real. Yeah, a seriously, bit too real. no kidding. <laughs> uh. But um, so we we start, we fell in love partly with the house, partly with the fact that the garden is about eight times the size of the house. Whoa. It's, for being in a town, it's got a really big outdoor space. And this part of the world stays fairly warm during the summer for a lot longer. So it's closer to the south of France than it is anywhere else. So cool. Um, uh, yeah. It sounds like so of... idyllic and dreamlike. It sounds like you're living in a <laughs> in like a happy Doctor Who episode. It, it, some days it feels like that, but not, I mean, most of the time, because at the moment we're doing all of our own renovations wow. um, and neither of us know what the hell we're doing. Um, <laughs> we are teaching ourselves to do everything just from 
YouTube, essentially, and yeah. looking things up and reading, like, manuals <laughs> on, like, how to DIY stuff. Wow. Um, and hilariously, so I didn't know anything about this in any language. And at the moment now I know more French building terms than I know English. <laughs> <laughs> like I will run across something that I do not know how to say in English. I'm like the, uh, the sea sotos. It's apparently a jigsaw. Uh-huh. If that makes any difference. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's a weird sort of dreamlike period in our lives here. Yeah. Where everything is very strange. Are you are you working right now? Or are you just renovating full time? Just renovating full time to get it done kind of before winter properly sets in. Yeah, um, that seems like it would be a full time job. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Um, I did. So I weirdly had a couple of weeks of part time work. Um, the I mean, there's nothing in this area particularly. There's it's not densely populated. There's a couple of cities within kind of half an hour's drive, sort of thing. Like not even cities, you know, decent sized towns. Yeah. But um, nothing big at all. And the only real work that I, I was just looking for something to kind of like pay a couple bucks sort of thing. A few euros would do me. <laughs> and the the thing that the, the local like mayor's office, the mairie suggested was to ask around, like the couple of local businesses are like a recycling plant and uh, somewhere that chars wood into charcoal. Uh. <laughs> and those are, that's pretty much it. So, cause we're in the middle of nowhere. So it's wow. the perfect place to do that stuff. There's also a cement factory, um, but I didn't ask there. I think but you so should I just feel, go on your clown quest instead. That sounds I think that sounds way more fun. And lucrative. But I, yeah, <laughs> but I did in fact work uh, for a brief period for uh, the recycling plant, um, cleaning <laughs> the men's bath. <laughs> It Whoa. was a, a a weirdly like interesting sociological experience. In what way? Uh, I got I got to be a strange janitor. Uh, actually, that's when I like caught up on a bunch of your podcasts. Oh, really? <laughs> like while you were cleaning? <laughs> that's awesome. While I was cleaning, uh, that and like memorized most of Hamilton. Awesome. Between still, those two things, I still have not seen or listened to Hamilton, or I have no knowledge of it besides like a basic knowledge of what it is. But everyone keeps telling me I got to check it out. You're in for a treat. Basically, it's awesome. I, I went into it kind of I, I'm on the fence about musical soundtracks because I had a lot of fun, like listening to them as a kid. But I I really want to see it, really yeah. want to see the show. And yeah. the problem is that, like, when the hell am I going to see the show? <laughs> I don't have time or money to go to New York and like hope for the lottery to come my way. Right. Yeah. To, yeah. And because it's just not it's not in my budget. It's not in my my time frame anytime soon totally ditto the chicago cast i think there is there they are gonna start one in london and that might be on the cool. cards but i eventually just kind of went i have to listen to it and you absolutely should too okay it's very very good we'll do so i've been dying to ask you this for a while like we've been kind of mm -hmm. emailing back and forth uh i mean i mean we've been in, in touch since you moved but we've been emailing Pretty back much, and forth yeah. a lot more in the last year ish um, and I just the whole time, all I want to ask is what was it like uh, as a nerd to move to London because uh, you initially moved to London. So like jumping across the ocean, um, my nerd experience was so different in Seattle versus San Diego. And I know yeah. you came from San Diego. So I'm so curious. What was it like as a nerd, as a fan of pop culture to get into a completely different culture? 
an interesting ride, really. Because um, my my friend circle is always composed of like fangirls, basically, wherever yeah. I go. I've got a... I, I went to London thinking, no, it's cool. I'll see what I can do to like make friends the like the way that normal people do. And it turns Which out is that what, I like going to a bar that. and sitting and hoping to make friends or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how normal no, people it, make friends. I have yeah. no idea. It's yeah. terrible. It really didn't work. I was I had was there for kind of four months, and the only people I really knew were my immediate blood kin. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of went back to a, a live journal community. That like oh, shout cool. out to Live Journal, yeah, um, was my like go to group of friends on the internet from back in like Fallout Boy fan fiction days. Yeah, and went and said <laughs> like, does anyone know anyone who lives in London? Because um, I don't know any fangirls out here and or fan folks, anyone really. Um, and I'd love to kind of meet the the nerd the nerd kin locally, and. Immediately, one of my friends who lives in New York, who's who's like one of the more amazing humans, uh, emailed a bunch of people in London with copied me in and said like, hey, this person's just moved here. She's great. Um, one of the people who received that email was Nancy. Really? Who I eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't reply. Whoa. <laughs> so uh, one of our friends, our mutual uh, who would become our mutual friend, Terry, she did reply and like met up and she is the most amazing nerd. She and I got together, like we had a Star Trek original series and wine night, like a standing date every couple, like every other Thursday where we'd get together cool. and like drink our way through the the embarrassment of watching Kirk try <laughs> to shag every moon princess there was. Because <laughs> um, some of those episodes are so cringe now. Yeah. So like, cringe. When that show's good, it's stellar. But when it's yeah. bad, it is awful. Stellar. It, I liked that. That was a good pun. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's true, though. I remember that true. episode where there was that plant that was killing people, and I was having a rough time with that one. Yep. Yeah, the <laughs> one where he tries to cave someone's head in with a giant rock shaped like a penis. <laughs> that was so... I think the worst moment of the whole series for me was when Kirk lost his memory and married a Native American woman and stood on the mountaintop and screamed out, I'm happy. It was, that was the worst. It was so I, I think I had to watch that like through my scarf. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I couldn't look directly at the screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many bottles of wine we took to get through. <laughs> but it was a few. Um, yeah. So yeah, Terry kind of got me introduced to the kind of fangirl circle that she knew in London and nice. dragged me to someone else's housewarming party one night. Um, uh, Bex had just moved to London. She was someone I'd like been aware of peripherally on live journal. Like she's fan famous. Um, who, who is in, uh, my friend Bex. She's Bex. Okay. Um, yeah, she, she has written some, some very well uh, thought of fan fiction in sort of bandamy circles. So, in and which circles? Hmm? Bandomy? Bandom is a specific fandom for like My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy, that sort oh, of era. Oh, okay. I quote gotcha. unquote emo. That yeah. Yeah. Because I dragged you to a Fallout Boy concert. So you sort you of remember sure that. You sure did. And I yep. had a really good time against my own instincts. <laughs> <laughs> against your better judgment. Against my better judgment. I had yep. a blast. That yeah, was fun. It, they were, they're great fun live. They're so yeah. good. Yeah. 
Never mind. Yeah, it wasn't anyway. like I, I I totally remember you uh, being all about that stuff, and it was oh, yeah. so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I was only happy to to drag everybody else along with me. Um, yeah, <laughs> possibly not into the fan fiction side of things, but uh, it's, it's, it's a, it, it, you need a certain bent in that direction, I think. Yeah. Um, and I certainly have it. So anyway, but this this woman who I knew vaguely through live journal circles, Bex, had just moved to London um, almost at the same time as I had, but had only sort of gotten things together to have a housewarming like six months later. Um, so I went to hers and her then boyfriend, now husband, Chris's housewarming party in Lewisham in the south of London and met Nancy at that party. And she'd gotten an email that she hadn't replied to from you. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, from from our friend introducing me. Gotcha. To gotcha. Her as That's a concept. so funny. Yeah. Just and you she as a concept. <laughs> yeah. Like it was great because we were all like sitting in the like back garden drinking Prosecco and like talking about how we'd how we'd first kind of gotten into like the various different nerdy things that we were into and how much we loved Star Trek and who was more Star Wars and like blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then Nancy walked in like an hour late wearing a dress that looked like a tie, like in the pattern of a men's necktie. <laughs> and everyone stopped what they were doing and went, oh my God, tell me everything. <laughs> and she sat down and went, well, <laughs> like, <laughs> held court um, yeah. because everyone else followed her on Twitter at that point, and I didn't. And really? Been f yeah, and they'd followed this whole saga. At the time, she was actually going to date a boy who was going to teach her how to do parkour. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go well because she actually really doesn't like falling off of things, so that wasn't ever going to work. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, so we so we met through nerds, and actually, our first date was watching Star Trek together. Oh, that's. Fantastic. Didn't know it was going to be a date at the time, but it was literally Star Trek and chill. It was great. <laughs> nice. Which Star Trek? Was it original series? Uh, we got together to watch some original series because it was just after the reboot came out and there was yeah. like a, a wave of Trek um, nostalgia around. Yeah. There was a DVD that I think one of the major supermarket chains, I think, in England had released to kind of coincide that does like, it was like a little greatest hits, like three or four episodes disc. Uh, that Nancy had found and been like, hey, you want to come over and watch this? And it it transpired that she hadn't seen Wrath of Khan. Wow. And I went, stop everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, by the end of Wrath of Khan, when Spock's dying, um, we were holding hands. Oh, nothing gets me randy like Ricardo Montalban's chest. <laughs> <laughs> I can't a hundred percent say the same. I have to say, <laughs> but uh, it, the the plastic chess piece certainly is something to something to behold. Do you think it's plastic? I I don't, I don't know. know. I don't. It looks so unreal that I've never believed it to be I, anything yeah, else. It looks so unreal, but he like maintains that it's real. So I just don't know. Maybe he just has a very strangely looking shaved chest. Maybe the shavedness Maybe. is the weirdness. I don't know. I mean, I believed I for know. a long time that William Shatner's hair was real, and it's not. <laughs> like when, Which part of his hair isn't real? So uh, when the original series came out on Blu-ray, you can see yeah. the stitching from his toupee. He wears, uh, apparently, I, I actually looked this up. You can go like williamshatnerstoupee.blogspot.com or something like that. That's not the exact Holy website, I don't think. Holy shit. This is uh, new information. It's to really me. interesting. So apparently he had... Um, like you can find pictures of him from before Star Trek, and his hair looks mm -hmm. kind of like Richard Nixon's hairline, where it's right. Um, okay, he's got a little bit up front, 
and it's just kind of thin and then like a little bit of a bald spot. So gotcha. apparently he wore two different pieces, like one to cover the bald spot and one to give him a fuller uh, front piece. I guess is that the right word? <laughs> front piece. A fuller, uh, a fuller forehead. A uh, forehead merkin, I think, is what it's called. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh so, God! Uh, one of the hair des- hair designers or hairdressers on the original series claims that uh, at the end of one of the seasons, Shatner's hairpiece went missing, and the only person <laughs> that had any reason to steal it was Shatner himself. So they think that he stole it, and then you can trace his career when he's not doing as well in his career. His hair looks f- more fake, uh, mm-hmm. and people think it's because he couldn't afford the good hair pieces. Oh. Oh my it's god! I really no interesting. Idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, hold on. I gotta figure out what that website is because I want I want to reference it real fast. Yes, and please do. Let me, let me pull do. this up. I want I want you to know so you can go check it out, and I want everyone who's I, listening to know. Um, please, this is this is the real this is where the real news happens. This obviously. is the real juice right here. Yeah, exactly. Shatner's toupee.blogspot.com. I was so close. <laughs> you were. Oh my God. That's oh, awesome. I love the internet. I it's know. It's so good. There's a whole website just devoted to Shatner's hair. It's fantastic. You got to check it out. It's a many splendored thing, man. Yeah, totally. The internet's great. Um, we're talking through it. So that's good. Yeah, totally. So you, <laughs> so what, what were people into in London? I mean, obviously Doctor Who must've been huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it was, Actually, I, I didn't know. So my dad is is a, a Doctor Who fan from way back. Yeah. He knew the original serials. He was absolutely obsessed, um, like the good nerd that he was. Um, but as a kid, him telling us stories about Doctor Who, because it was not available anywhere in California. Yeah. For, for love or money. And there was no way he could buy, like, the VHS sets even in England to bring them back because of the licensing weirdness. They're two different, like, encodings like the DVDs are now. Yeah. So we would have had to, like, transfer them onto American tapes. So he just never went to the bother, and he just told us Doctor Who serials sometimes as, like, bedtime stories. Really? That's yeah. so cool. That is the coolest. I kind of... I kind of vaguely thought that Doctor Who wasn't real <laughs> for a while. Because <laughs> he's no just way. like, oh, yeah, 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 the TARDIS. It's, a, you know, bigger on the inside. Whatever. You're like, wow. you're just making this shit up, Dad. That's the best. So you're, you're like Amy Pond. It was like an imaginary friend almost. A little bit. I had my raggedy doctor situation. Wow. And then all of a sudden, like, when I, so when the, so then summer of 2005, I came to London to do like a summer study abroad thing with the English department at SDSU. Uh-huh. I don't remember why that seemed like a good idea at the time, but it was really fun. And also really weird because I was there, like, it was me, two dudes, and 17 sorority girls <laughs> from San Diego State University. Oh, God. And, yeah, not a huge amount for me to talk about with these people. That sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah, but so at that moment, that was right when the new, like, the reboot of Doctor Who was coming out. So, um like there's Rose Tyler all over all of the bus stops, like yeah. as like a big advert. And looking at it, I kind of didn't make the connection. Wow. Because I just kind of went like, this looks rubbish. Like that guy's terrible leather coat. And like, why does she always <laughs> get pictured with her mouth open? That's the thing that really got me. I was like, Billy Piper, close your mouth. God. Totally. <laughs> um, and I didn't watch it for ages just because I had that weird sort of knee jerk 
come on, you're just yeah, like this poor woman is being used as the pretty blonde. And I yeah. love how much they subvert that in the show and how much yeah. she's absolutely not the pretty blonde. She's so brave and brainy and perfect. And yeah, yeah, like, but I didn't watch it for a little while after that. Um, but yeah, like Doctor Who is absolutely the thing for nerds. It is the business. Um, weirdly, Nancy has never been into Doctor Who, wow. but she loves Torchwood. Really? Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Interesting. The, because it's the darker, sexier version of Doctor Who with less of the camp, I think. Yeah. I, I still mean, have not camp. watched Torchwood. That's like very... It's it's like number two on the list of things that I need to get into when I finish with Buffy and Angel. Yes. I mean, uh, with a caveat that, like, it will break your heart at the end. That's what I've been I told. I can't tell you much else than that. But, yeah, the, the ending is, it's a really, really well-written, like, round off to this, to the whole series as, like, as a piece. Yeah. And it makes a lot of really good points that I think are really still quite live politically in a way. Certainly in England, and I think worldwide, really. But it is fucking heartbreaking. Um, oh, God. I, I remember going through a period where I really didn't want Russell T. Davies to, like, ever exist anymore. Really? <laughs> and I was so angry at him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, because his years on Doctor Who broke my heart over and over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, like he's a, a heartbreaker. In, like, a cathartic good way. In a way yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that has not really happened on the Stephen Moffat years. They got close no. a couple times. I think. A couple of times, yeah. yeah. There's been some really, really good moments, but... Yeah, totally. Still. And overall, I mean, the show has been fucking amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. I love it. And, I like, Matt Smith's years were fantastic. But to me, there's something about the Russell T. Davies years that had this extra element of... Yeah. Of, like, my own personal emotional connection, where, I mean, my, my friend Sarah's been watching through it, and I was over at her mm-hmm. place, and she watched... Um, Tenant's Regeneration and just sitting down and just watching that with her I was just like so upset the whole time yeah I was really I was that I had I had such a hard time with that episode yeah oh god watching it for the second oh. time was really interesting because like they really went out of their way to make it unsettling you know they yeah. didn't want it to be a peaceful transition at all. No, 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 it was no. Just well, like he a, had such a hell of a time emotionally. Like, it kind of made sense Yeah. that it wouldn't be easy. Yeah. But it sucked. It sucked. Oh, it hurt so much. And it <laughs> he, was He it wasn't was ready worthy, to go. But... <laughs> um, no, I can't. I can't. The one thing I will never, ever forgive anybody on that show for is Donna. Oh, my God. That was rough. I have never cried at a television show like I cried it. Like, for yeah. half an hour, 45 minutes, I was inconsolable sobbing. Just yeah. like... Because that's the nightmare scenario. That's the, like, that's what you... You you want your hero's journey, and then you want to return home with the memories of what you've done. Right. Or you want to go out and do your own adventures or something. You yeah. don't want to have gone through all of this and save the world time and again, and then just... Have all memories of everything erased. Yeah. So oh, it was the way so... the way I console myself about that is that like look at what happened to uh, Sarah Jane, where Sarah Jane's life became shitty because yeah. she traveled with the doctor, and there's no comparison. So no, that just is coming true. back to life on Earth is impossibly disappointing after traveling with the doctor. So uh, unless you're Martha Jones and 
Yeah. Your time with the doctor was weirdly sexually awkward. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, God. She got such a rough deal. She got a she rough really, deal really for sure. Did. And but, she, I mean, she had a classic sort of, yeah, unrequited, awful yeah. situation that, like, her hero's journey was partly, like, learning that she didn't need that. She didn't need Totally. That. She learned she didn't need the doctor. And that's why I actually, yeah. I like that story overall. Yeah. I think that seeing Martha after her season really helped me feel like they did justice to her character. Because I felt like the yes. whole season, I was like, you're not doing justice to this character. But I feel like they did, no. you know? They did uh, in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think but with, with given Donna, her- like, Donna, all, all the, I, I refuse to believe that the emotional impact of traveling with the doctor was erased from her because uh like what she did built character that even if those memories are gone i feel like it probably steered her life into a positive direction and then she can live her life and be happy because she doesn't have these memories of all these wonderful things that she's lost so i mean as sad as it is i like to believe that donna's life was overall enriched and she's probably maybe in her happiest place that she could have ended up. But I am an optimist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in my, on my good days, I believe that, you know, like, and uh, from a purely storytelling point of view, I was really, I was annoyed that she got sort of fobbed off on some guy. It was like, okay, now you go home and get a boyfriend. And like, that's your reward is like this sort of milk toast normal guy and like he might be wonderful but it seems like in some of the writing that like he's just kind of okay and she's just kind of settling and that really Mm. ah, yeah it's frustrating the donna was my favorite of tenant's companions absolutely i I love rose tyler i love rose tyler to death but yeah uh watching the doctor travel around with his best friend was the most fun to me and it was everything. It was everything yeah. I ever wanted. So yeah, great. Totally. And those two just play off each other so well. Amazing. Everything They're they do so together amazing. is gold. Yeah, totally. And the whole arc with the Ood and the Dr. Donna, uh, I I mean, even just I get chills sometimes just like when I think the words Dr. Donna, I get chills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if anyone uh, I have to describe this, but if anyone does this to me, I just imagine. Yes. I, see, you're doing it, too. I just held my <laughs> hand up to the computer. And and it's just like uh like Rose and the Doctor like reaching mm-hmm. across dimensions <sighs> to a wall where they can't see each other like that moment was so sad that killed me yeah uh, that was yeah. Uh, God and I love that show I love it so much <laughs> and I just watched it uh, all of it this year I think I no I started yeah, I, I started up. I that was totally a lie what I just said I started the first <laughs> Eccleston season forever ago and got stuck just like with Buffy. I just didn't make it very far because I was watching it with someone and then we stopped hanging out as much. And then I just stopped watching it until I started hanging out with someone else who wanted to watch it with me. And then I got back into it. But actually, now that I think of it, I think I stopped watching Buffy because you moved. Like, I know that I was, I know that I was iffy on it, but we were watching it together. And I think I was still, I can't remember now for sure. I know that I was really frustrated with the storytelling at the point that I stopped. But then, like, when I came back yeah. to it years later, it was literally the next episode where I was like, oh, wow, I was wrong about what, where you were going, and this is super cool. Anyway, great. Uh, yeah. so I got back into Doctor Who a little bit, and I was kind of struggling to like it until I got to Tenant, and then it just mm-hmm. took off. And by the time I got to the end of Tenant's first season, uh, which is where that moment happens with Rose, uh, it became close to an obsession for me and I watched the rest of it so fast and I'm totally caught up now. Um, I loved Matt Smith. 
the whole time he was there, I, I did feel like the storytelling was a little uneven, especially in Matt yeah. Smith's second and third years. His first sure. year was awesome. His first His year first was year was so goddamn good. It yeah. was so good. So and good. I haven't see, I still need to catch up on everything since. Really? Basically. Where, yeah. Where are you I, at? I just got my my problem is less I think Matt Smith is an amazing doctor. I think Peter Capaldi is probably an amazing doctor. What, what tiny bits I've seen of him are so good. My problem is really Moffat. Is really Moffat's yeah. obsession with the time traveler's wife. Like <laughs> that thing of like someone is a fixed point and someone else keeps missing them in travels through time. It happens okay. in what's it called? Madame, the Madame de Pompadour episode. It happens in Don't Blink. It happens huh. in lots of like the girl who wow, waited totally and the right. boy who waited and like everybody is waiting for a million <laughs> years for somebody. And then it's like, it's this big sort of who can outweigh who in their love for each other. And that really started to, as soon as I noticed that I couldn't stop noticing it. And I really got the whole thing left me cold after a while. You totally you know? just ruined my life. No, no I'm just kidding. No, um, no I've seen it all. No. I've seen it all. And I, yeah, I yeah, my yeah. problem, I, so I, I love Moffat's Doctor Who. I love it so much. And there were times where I felt like I liked it more than Russell T. Davies. And yeah, like he's done yeah. some amazing stuff with that show. Yeah, like don't like, get me I wrong. Have, I fucking I have my love own, it. I, I, there are things about his storytelling, less in Doctor Who, but much more in Sherlock, where mm. I get really annoyed. Yeah. Um, but he so, has started to like the fact that he didn't have any female writers in the room at all hmm. to like inform on female characters has started to change. Like he's got some writers now like are uh, actually one of my ex flatmates who briefly we shared a flat with Sarah Dollard wrote um, Face the Raven, right? Face the Raven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was right before we were like moving to France. So Wait, we were like the you most lived with her? stressed people that we've ever been when we lived with her. And I can't imagine we were very good to live with. Oh ourselves. my God. I can't believe you lived with her. That's one of my favorite episodes ever. So she is such a good writer. So I'm, yeah. I'm very pleased. To, like I've yet to like, sorry, Sarah, sorry, Dolly. Um, I have not actually watched it yet because like I've been, yeah, I know there. that it's good. I know. Cause everyone I know who is like either cared about Doctor Who or hasn't and watched it for love of her. Like, yeah. thought it was amazing. It's but amazing. I haven't it's so good. It so yeah, my, my big problem with the Stephen Moffat Who is that in Matt Smith's second season, uh, I felt like they sacrificed emotional content for convoluted storytelling. And it just made me feel Got like I was watching it. Lost and I'm very touchy mm. about that <laughs> because Lost was very painful for me. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do feel like he brought it back around. I loved uh, Matt Smith's third season. I felt like it was significantly better than his second. Um, and Capaldi, his first season was almost boring. I, they didn't really? get his voice right away. But Capaldi's mm. second season was amazing. It was like a bulldozer. It was like being run over by good stories. And you will oh, love so it. Good. I'm so excited for you to see it. The way that that season, uh, like, uh, face the raisin, face the raisin. <laughs> face the raisin. <laughs> that's a different thing. Uh, that's, oh, my uh, God. That's like California raisins on ice. That's what that is. That's Which was so, a thing in San I'm, Diego when I was a kid. Um, face the raven and the episode right after uh, Hellbent. Hellbent mm -hmm. is widely regarded as potentially the best Doctor Who of all time. It is oh my God. so good. I mean, as, as much as like Moffat is 
inconsistent sometimes. I feel like when he hits it high, it's better than anything. Uh, I feel like Russell T. Davies was maybe a little more consistent, but some of his Mm. best episodes were the ones that were written by Stephen Moffat. So, I mean, you know, like Blink was amazing. It was amazing. And he wrote Madame de Pompadour, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's another of my absolute favorite episodes of Tenant's Run. So, yeah. So I'm conflicted, but like overall, I'm so much in Stephen Moffat's camp because what he's done that I appreciate is I, I appreciate it so much and it's so worthwhile. I you it's I'm totally really fair. excited for you yeah, to catch yeah. up. You're gonna love oh it. Oh my god! Now I am too. I'm, <laughs> I'm also so like... excited that you're watching Deep Space Nine. I'm <laughs> so excited about that. It's great. I I don't know why I didn't like it was on at a time that I couldn't watch. I think it was really the only reason. Like for whatever reason, I had some kind of after school activity type of thing that kept me away from the television those nights where yeah. it was airing. I don't remember for the life of me what it was. Um, because I know my parents watch more of it than I did. <laughs> and uh, so we, like, I remember that the scheduling stars aligned for Voyager. And we watched a bunch of Voyager together as a family. Like, not again, not consistently, but enough. Because it's episodic enough that you can dip in and out. Yeah. Um, but I never felt like I needed to go and be a completist about it. And I've still seen none of Enterprise, despite your repeated attempts ah. to get me to watch it. Sorry. It's so good. It's 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 one of those shows that's like there. it's very uneven. It's frustratingly mm. uneven, but when it's good, it's. I mean, there are episodes of Enterprise that are, I'd say, as good as anything on like Deep Space Nine. Mm. I still think that Next Gen hits a high that none of the other shows hit, but it's very close to me for like Deep Space Nine getting that high. Wow. Um. But yeah, Deep Space Nine, it changes so much over the course of the show, and. When I was a kid, I actually hated it. I don't. I don't yeah. think I've ever revealed this on the podcast before. But when Whoa. Deep Space Nine came out, uh, I was like in the height of my next gen obsession, and I mm-hmm. was devastated that next gen was ending. It was yeah. a huge deal to me. We so, had a, like a, a party in our household of like a, like a wake where yeah. the whole family sat down and watched that episode together as it aired and cried. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, I actually did that for Enterprise, which was awake in many ways because the last episode of Enterprise is the last episode of Star Trek that aired up until Discovery will come out soon. And that was like 2005. And it was possibly the worst episode ever of Star Trek. It was so bad. It was one of the biggest travesties. Uh, So bad. I mean, maybe the episode where Beverly fucks a ghost is worse, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty bad one. It's pretty bad. Thank you. You've seen it. I bring this up a lot. No one else has seen it. It's so bad. I remember that episode just... Just for the cringe factor. Oh, yeah. man. You didn't light the candle. <laughs> so stupid. No. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I just got sidetracked by my by how bad those episodes are. What were we talking about? <laughs> Deep Space Nine. How much you hated oh, yeah, Deep okay. Space Nine. Yeah, so I, that's right. Thank you. So I hated Deep Space Nine when it came out because the very first episode, they set you up to dislike Captain Picard, right? And this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the baddie. He's the baddie. He's, like, yeah. he's traumatized Cisco so yeah. much. And this was the beginning of season six of Next Gen, I believe, Which when is Deep Space so Nine started, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Six, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm just like, well, if Cisco doesn't like Picard, then I don't like Cisco. You know, I was such yeah. a bitch about it. And then I started. <laughs> you gotta be loyal to your captains, man. Totally. I tried to watch That's the show fair. and it was so adult. And I was young, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. It was, uh, what, 91? 87? 91 or 92 mm. ish. And I was, I think it was 91. 
So I would have been 84. I was born in 84. Can we count? I can't no. count. What was I, seven years old? No. Was I seven? Yeah. Is that right? I'm real bad with numbers. I, I, I have to do a math problem like live yeah. on the internet. I, absolutely <laughs> not. This is, I have this thing where I, simple calculations that I know that I can do. If there's even the slightest amount of pressure, yeah. I go into like blank screen shutdown. Like, I have the same thing. It just happened yeah. to me. I think it's seven. I think I was seven when Deep Space okay. Nine came out and I couldn't handle it. It was just too adult. I remember the episode where... Uh, have you seen the episode yet with where Kira is interrogating a Cardassian prisoner in early on in no, season one? No, not yet. Oof, oof, it's so good. It's so good. Mm. It's a, it's basically a. I mean, the the Bajoran Cardassian conflict is a parable for the Palestinian Israeli conflict. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, Tough. and Bajor is supposed to be Israel, basically. Yeah. And I'm Jewish, Which is so interesting. yeah, it was yeah. very <laughs> close to home. Or actually, no, I think it's actually supposed to be maybe um, like shades of Germany versus the Jews, you know? Yeah, uh, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. It's, it's something about got Jews. It's something in the uniforms. <laughs> it's something yeah, yeah, Jewish yeah, exactly. is happening. Um, <laughs> this so, is about me. <laughs> yeah. So it was no, very yeah, close yeah. to home and I just couldn't deal with it. It was too adult for me. Yeah. Which yeah. is fair at yeah, seven. At seven. So I came back maybe. to it in high school <laughs> and immediately loved it. Just immediately yeah. loved it. And I was just what is wrong with my seven-year-old self. The show is great. So I watched almost all of the show uh, from that point on. And then when I got into, do you remember Zana that I dated in, yeah, in college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I absolutely. She's still on my Facebook feed for some reason. Yeah. I mean, we're still in touch. She's awesome. So she was one of my first. <laughs> she seems great. She was one of my first like serious girlfriends. She was in Winsipi yeah. with us. She played oboe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was a good oboist. Um, the reason that I wanted to date her so bad is because when I first met her, she told me that she still had a a play kit of the forest moon of Endor. And I was like, I'm going to fall in love with you, I think. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she, well, I went to Europe with my sister for a couple of weeks in the summer. And that she and I was had when been, we were supposed to meet up because I was in London at the same time. Oh, yeah, that, and it, why didn't that work out? That I don't, was, because I didn't have a mobile phone sorted at the time. So we couldn't actually get in contact. Yes. That was crazy. Well, that was before we played in a band together, wasn't it? Yeah, it was before the band. It yeah. was like uh, we'd known each other from classes and like we yeah. met randomly in LAX, like getting on the flight to London going, oh my hey, God. wait. That's so crazy. Because if that had happened after we started playing a band together, like we would have made it happen, you know? But, yes. Uh, it's so crazy <laughs> to me that we were in London at the same time and didn't see each other. But That's we became nuts. like much better friends after that. Anyway, that is so true. Strange. That is true. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so I, she and I had been watching Deep Space Nine together, and I because it was airing two episodes a day on Spike TV, I think. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a VHS back then, so I used to tape it every day, uh, and then we'd watch it together. <laughs> and then when I, I went to Europe, those tapes. Yeah, I had that giant box of oh DS9 my tapes. God. Uh, so when I went to Europe, she taped it every day for me, so that when I came back, we could watch it together. She taped it that every is so day. Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't remember what happened, but for some reason we didn't have the last six or seven episodes of the series. And then they started re-airing it. So we missed it and it was going to have to go through the next cycle. And I think we split no. up before the next cycle ended. So I watched almost every single episode of Deep Space Nine minus like seven episodes. And I had missed like one or two or three throughout the run. So yeah. I went back. Uh, no, I, I'm sure I'd missed more than that. I probably missed like 20 episodes throughout the run. But I went back and watched it again when I moved to Seattle. Um, before it was on Netflix, I, I pirated the entire series and just watched shitty downloads of the whole thing. <laughs> uh, Excellent. And 
statute of limitations, I think I'm safe or I will be in like a year. Um, <laughs> and I watched the whole thing and then I watched the end of the show for the first time and th- that show is so, in- I got to stop talking now because you haven't gotten this far. But not yet, not yet. I'm I'm on the the eventual like inexorable course to get yeah. there at some so point in the you future when I are don't just have beginning your relationship with Elam Garrick, who is one of the <laughs> the best characters ever on TV. I like Andrew Robinson is Elam Garrick, one of my favorite things. He's he's one of those recurring characters that shows up a lot on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. they have a lot of. It's a very rich tapestry of background characters. Which is so cool. Like I watched The Rocketeer a couple nights ago. I'm like, hey, it's Max Grodinchik. He played he played Rom. That's so exciting. He always shows up in the yes. beginning of movies and gets killed, like in Sister Act. Uh, Perfect. So yeah, I'm so excited for you. It's so great. It's such a good show. I'm looking forward to it, especially because like it's so uh, my wife does not watch a lot of movies and yeah. doesn't watch a lot of fictional television. She's much more a documentary person. Like she gets really like she's a delicate pedal. So other people's <laughs> emotions are really kind of taxing sometimes. Totally, so like yeah. entering a fictional world where you have to care about people can sometimes just be like, like a lot of times for her is like too overwhelming. Yeah. But for me, that's how I chill. So we have to like yeah. have headphones sometimes <laughs> and do separate things. Totally. But like, um, but also I love BBC documentaries. So we watch that a lot. Cool. Oh my God. There's, there was some really, really good, Anyway, no, there's a there was a really good um, BBC uh, documentary that we just watched tonight, actually, just earlier before she went to bed, uh, about fantasy novels. Ooh, which is so good, so good. Cool. Like how to, like uh, covers a lot of ground with George R. R. Martin and um, Tolkien, and he drags C.S. Lewis, and it's beautiful because um, I'm still angry at, at C.S. Lewis for turning out to be such a Christian. Um, <laughs> That's too personal. Sorry, everybody who is Christian who is listening. I have no problems with you and your personal beliefs. It is simply that I was not necessarily signing up for the for revelations in the last book. I, this is actually a really interesting conversation because I had the same reaction to that when I read the book seven. Yeah. I loved the Chronicles of Narnia so much. So much. Um, so, so, so much. When I read book seven, I actually wrote a song about it because I was so inspired and blown away by it. And then I found out that it was about the book of Revelations and I was pissed. I was pissed. Yeah. I actually, uh, I don't know, because my a lot of, I've talked a little bit on the show before about how I received, I was at the, the blunt end of a lot of uh, prejudice for being Jewish. And someone actually sat me down at one point and showed me a passage in the book of Revelation that said that I was going to hell uh, to try to convince me to convert so that she could what save my soul. Heck? Yeah. It was someone That's... that I had, we, like she and I had been kind of like physically intimate, you know, in the way that high schoolers do, which yes, is yeah. like, you know, hiding under blankets and stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really devastating to me. And the passage that she showed me could have been interpreted in like a thousand different ways. And I'm, say, I'm like, this is it. This is what you're showing me. This is the thing that that is is this is your drawn proof? this like huge rift in our relationship because you're now holding this over me that uh, that you need me to convert so that we can remain friends. And mm-hmm. um, so I just finding out that something that I loved and enjoyed was based off of that uh, made me feel so guilty and like yeah. I had done something wrong by liking it. But yeah. um, I, from what I understand about C.S. Lewis and his Christianity, he was he was one of those 
I, I, I know very little about this, but from what I understand, he was someone who had some like deep grief in his life and needed something to help him get through it. And it ended up being religion. And that's actually kind of cool. Like I respect that, yeah. you know? So oh, fair enough. Yeah. So it, it helped it's, me. It helped me like let go of the anger because I felt like he came trauma. to the religion from the point of view of someone who found something valuable in something and then applied it to his life, which I respect versus the, um, I'm going to believe this because everyone tells me to, and I'm afraid to not believe it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, as far as I know, what little I do know about C.S. Lewis's conversion is that, like, he was a, like, proponent of atheism. He was really quite strictly, like, very strongly anti-Christianity for a good long while. Um, yeah. And I guess possibly his kind of born-again conversion was as a result of a traumatic event. Um, based on what you've said, I don't actually know what, what caused the kind of turning point, but yeah, me neither. It'd be interesting the, to read about. Yeah, no, I need to, I need to do a little more research before I, I continue to spew my ire. Right. Um, <laughs> I, but I, I have a lot of respect for the fact that he found what he needed in yeah. religion and that anybody finds what they need in any religion. Uh, what I'm, less hot on i suppose is turning it into a children's book so you can convince kids to oh, like damn it go you're that so direction. right god damn that's it that's the thing that that's so, the thing like, i forget I, that's so true <laughs> yeah that's the part that i can't like i'm just i am super super sensitive to that stuff because my family have been at the receiving end of the catholic church's bullshit for many generations at this point like yeah. like three generations of folks have been shat upon basically by organized religion so i get really twitchy about that stuff very quickly yeah. so at, by the time like i was still enjoying the last battle as i was reading it but part of me was going wait a minute yeah <laughs> in that kind of back burner way that you're like you, the seeds of doubt are sown and it starts percolating and so it took until like a couple of days after I finished the book where I went, oh, why did this happen? <laughs> and then you, you and then just reminded me the... why I was so upset. And now I'm upset again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, it it's is, good. It's, I, it I, is a, it's one of those traumatic moments in a, in a young fantasy reader's life. who yeah. isn't necessarily looking for a Christian allegory. <laughs> totally. Well, here's the thing is like I, I am such an optimist that I look for reasons to be passive sometimes. I it's look true. for things to no, make me yeah, happy. Yeah, and that's a better way to be. I don't know if that's true. Like I I mean, the current <laughs> election has proved to me that uh that sometimes passivity and complacency are dangerous. And sometimes you've got to know what it is that you believe and stick to it and not be afraid to offend people by saying it. And I, I get yeah. worried about that sometimes, like having a podcast. I don't want to lose listeners because by saying something anti Christian um, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, Christian and people I, have been I, saying things that are anti me my entire life. So it's, yeah. you know, it's not like uh, it's not like that's an, a reason to say it or an excuse to say it. It's just that I think it needs to be said that there are people using Christianity as an excuse to be shitty and that that's not yeah. OK, because that's not what that religion is for or about. Not at all. Not at all. Well, it's a, it's such a betrayal of the base tenets of the religion that yeah. anybody with any familiarity with the Bible at all. Like me, I've read very little of the book and I know that what you're supposed to do is be nice to other people because you want them to be nice to you. Yeah, and yeah. Generally, yeah, like from the sounds of it, Jesus was a pretty all right guy. 
um, yeah. n- got nailed to a tree for telling everyone to be nice to each other for a change. And uh, yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, it's how organized religions are used as tools of manipulation. Yes, totally. To, to play on fears and to play on old kind of grudges and hatred and that is what turns my stomach and that's what gets me <laughs> more angry than than understanding yeah um, totally. I'm, i am striving for a place of a little bit more personal peace when it comes to the election and when it comes to a lot of this yeah this type of stuff just because i need to be right in my own house sort of thing before I go out and change the world for the better. Like in order to better the world, I need to better myself first. Yeah. And you're lucky because all of us are talking about moving away. You already did it. You already set. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out fuckers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, although like this will affect everyone in the world, which is insane. And it's not, I still, I can't talk about it yet. No, 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 no. Like, and here's my, here's my horrible truth bomb here. It's not just the U S that has a problem with the right wing. Yeah. for sure. Again. It happened first in the UK. They beat us yep. to it. They did. They did. Well, and Theresa May is moving in a shockingly fascist direction. Do you hear this thing about like migrant children at the moment? So um, the UK has agreed to take a certain number of Syrian refugees or people who are refugees from the conflict in Syria, not okay. necessarily Syrian. Yeah, um, yeah. Generally minors, um, generally unaccompanied minors. I don't know why that's the kind of class that they've decided is okay to come into the country. No idea, but they've decided that's cool. But they're also like, well, these people are saying they're under 18, but I don't know. That boy looks a little beardy to me. So they've actually gone so far as to suggest officially that maybe what they need to do is examine children's teeth. Oh, my God. To see how old they are. And this is literally, like, the last time we acknowledged like the last time we tried to analyze people's teeth for their age we were selling them into slavery yeah this is it's mind-blowing that this is a this is a genuine western democracy that is supposed to be well yeah a monarchical democracy or whatever the hell parliamentary Something or other. I don't know exactly what to call the UK <laughs> government. <laughs> Having lived there for six and a half years and my parents are English and oops. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Have, so there, there have been several beers. It's fine. That's it's good. fine. Yeah. Anyway, I, it's um, morning for me. It's nighttime for you. Um, it is. It's been it's been a day. Yeah. I've, I've actually just done nothing but driving today. So I'm exhausted and also have have beard. So nice. Well, let's internet. Let's uh let's end on a happy note. What are you yeah, what are you watching right now? Like what are you into right now? Um God, let's see. Um other than DS9, uh, which is very early days, I absolutely blasted through Stranger Things. Oh, cool. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I loved it, it too. Was so good. Um It was great. Who is it? R- your friend Ryan, who was on a podcast? recently oh yeah ryan casey who hated stranger things yeah he hates it and it's he's so wrong and i'm so sad (laughs) for him (laughs) well we should uh i want to do an episode about that at some point because i'm so yeah uh, he he brought it up again on the next on the second uh on on the current siphon trial the guardians of the galaxy he brought it up again (laughs) so i just want to pick his brain about it because i'm curious yeah i i want i want the full sort of 
the the non-ranty version of that in a way because it was i found it to be such a satisfying watch yeah totally i thought performance wise it was really really good i thought all of those kids are just incredible actors yeah um i loved everything about the story i thought the kind of visual aspect of it was the production was tip top i felt exactly like i did watching et for the first time and i've yeah. never had that feeling it was like watching a sequel to et that's how exactly how yep. i felt yep. yeah yep yep it and it was just tone like, perfect it was so good yeah it filled this like pocket of warmth in my chest that had not been filled since like 1987 so <laughs> exactly yeah 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 that's how i felt the the, the warmth pocket yeah yeah i really up. really enjoyed it yeah no it was it was such a good show um um other than that to be honest not a huge amount of current watching going on in my life because so much of my life is renovation i don't know how much how home renovation you've done no (laughs) but it's exhausting yeah i Um, I can imagine it's yeah i i wasn't expecting necessarily i started blogging about the the kind of experience of doing this and the problem is that the blogging went really fine before we started renovating and then after we actually started working every day doing really quite difficult physical labor i had no energy to write yeah <laughs> at all so i have just let it lie for the last like four or five months um and i will eventually get back to it and start telling more stories because this place is kind of magical in some ways i don't know how we managed to move to the middle of nowhere in france and move to the village that already has two other lesbian couples in it ah, wow we've we've won there um or women who are dating women i don't like to necessarily assume that everyone's a lesbian because my wife's bi so yeah it's, it's nice to to leave that open for queerness yeah and I'll, you were on uh the the first episode of my show that you were on was the to boldly gay and since yeah, yeah, then yeah. we've learned that there will be a gay actor playing a gay character on Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) So how do you feel about that? Very happy. Very, very happy. I have been reading nothing about Star Trek Discovery at all because I kind of want to go in blind and also because I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to watch it. So I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. Um, There's going to be a lot of either waiting or terrible, horrible dubiously downloaded copies or <laughs> I have no idea how many proxies it might take me to get there. Probably I'm just going to have to wait and like mainline it at some point in the future. You know, I have heard that Netflix has a deal to show it outside of the U S so you might be okay. Oh my God. I really hope so. Cause I definitely have Netflix. Yeah. I'm um, not, I'm not sure if that's true or not. So we'll I'm going to look into it now. That's yeah. my, that's my new challenge. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, I'm so excited to. Well, first of all, it's amazing to see you because I haven't seen you in so long, and I love seeing it's your really face. Cool. <laughs> I like um, seeing your face. <laughs> but I love. Uh, I've always loved chatting to you about chatting to you, chatting with you about yes. nerdy shit. And uh, I mean, you, we've already announced that you're my international correspondent. So whenever yes. you want to <laughs> contribute anything to the show or come back on and talk to me again, uh, I'd love to have you be a big part of the show. It'd be so, well, I would so I would absolutely love to be here. I just hope that I have something interesting to say. Um, yeah. I don't have a massive, like, I can't be international for everybody, I guess. But I, yeah. I can come at you from a European perspective, I suppose. Yeah, to totally. I, for someone who grew up where I grew up and then moved to a completely different place, uh, seeing how that's affected your 
view of pop culture is like fascinating to me. It's really interesting. So even you talking about something that seems boring to you is going to be really interesting to me, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So my, uh, like, I get through very few, like, successful, actual, proper jokes in French because I, I – so my facility with the language is, like, functional. Yeah. It's okay. I'm not fluent um, yet because I've only been speaking it for kind of a year and a half. So getting there, but pretty – not exactly witty at this point. And, like, <laughs> wit is a huge – Wit is like a massive part of French culture. Yeah. It's like to be witty in conversation and to like land good punchlines is absolutely like the thing you strive for. So every one I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and at one, I don't remember in what context this was, but I managed to get across a successful joke to our electrician about zombies. Wow. Where I was like. I had to, there was some miming involved where I had to be like, mm, but he, he did in fact laugh afterward. I think that might be the same day that I explained the term resting bitch face to a French man who didn't speak any English. Wow. So you're, you're a, a cultural liaison for the best of America. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, so for, for clarity, for, for listeners, I am like one third American. Yeah, um, I'm in a weird situation where my parents are. Um, I'm here on an Irish passport through my father. I was born in Canada, but um, grew up on American soil as an immigrant. So yeah, stranger in a strange land wherever I go. Crazy. That's super cool. Yeah. Well, you you have such so, a interesting perspective on everything. I think. <laughs> well, I hope other people find that. I'm glad that you do at yeah. least. So. And that's what um, matters. <laughs> that's what matters. Yeah. You're the content creator. So I get to go. do Here's whatever content for I want. <laughs> yep. Well, I'd love Fresh to stop content. recording. And I, is that offer of a video tour of your tiny house still up for grabs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Right, cool. I uh, will probably need to put you on the, the phone instead. Okay, cool. Just because it'll be a little easier to walk you around. Oh, you get to see the cats sleeping Yay. on each other because they oh, love each see. other. Yeah. Well, oh, thank you so much you... For, for recording with me. I'm so excited we finally got to sit down and chat for a while. And let's do this again <laughs> soon for sure. And then I'll, I'll keep letting you know what topics I have coming up on the show. And if you ever want to chip in, you're always welcome. I would be thrilled to do that on Fantastic. pretty much anything. Awesome. Um, well, anything I have anything to say about. Yeah. But there's some stuff I can't talk about. For sure. And I know you're super busy, like, making your house livable. So uh, any yeah, anytime we yeah, get, yeah. we really appreciate it. Yay. Awesome. Well, I'm very, very pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yay. Thanks for podcasting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>